you do realize now how important, you know, last night, for example, when he was so distressed, I sort of thought, I just need to give him love. He just needs to know now because he's distressed. This isn't him being naughty. It's not him being, and, you know, I've, I've read um, in your books and on Parent Sense, you know, right now is the, it's so important. As you've said, I think on this podcast, about shaping them for relationships far into the future. And that's why, even though I sort of would have loved to go and lie down and let him wriggle around a bit and make noises, I thought, I just need to hold you in my arms and let you know it's all, it's all going to be okay. Max is seven weeks old now, and Cass shares how Max reacted to his first vaccines, which led into a deep dive on the topic how little ones and moms are affected by vaccines, and a little about the controversy that surrounds them. We go on to talk about soothing babies and the concern about forming habits and how to get the balance right. I touch on the importance of tummy time, why it's so important, and how to encourage it. We also speak about why babies wake after 45 minutes, and when will you get those super long stretches of sleep again. So stay tuned as we discover more about a baby's second month through the eyes of Cass and Max. Welcome to Sense by Meg Fora, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Fora, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads just like you to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the Parent Sense app, and catch Meg here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back. I'm Meg Fora. I'm an occupational therapist and infant specialist and have worked with parents for more than 20 years in my private practice. My speciality is sensory integration, sleep problems, and fussy babies. And I'm delighted to be your host and share my expertise with you. And this week, we're welcoming back Cassidy. We've been tracking Max's journey since the day he was born. Cass, we have loved learning about the new aspects of development and parenting through your and Max's eyes. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you very much. How old is Max this week? He is seven weeks. He was seven weeks on Monday. Oh, my word. It's incredible how he's growing. Yeah. I saw some pictures of him and he is really a robust little boy. Yeah, he really is. He's, he, we had, he, had, he was weighed yesterday. He's six kgs. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. He is growing. That's yeah, incredible. He is. he is for sure. He's, he weighed, I mean, to pick him up now, you have to... Yeah, engage your core a little bit now. <laughs> yep. You don't want to get into rock to sleep with those bulky babies because no. you're going to break no. your back. Yeah. So how has the week been, Cass? Well, <laughs> yesterday he had his first vaccinations. Okay. Um, yeah. So I am living off basically zero sleep today because oh. last night was not, bless him, not nice at all. I mean, it was, honestly, I could cry thinking about the, the moment he had his vaccine. Obviously, he's now forgotten that that happened to him yesterday, but I'm still traumatized because he had his first one and he was really smiley while they were giving, it was an oral um, for rotavirus. It was like a, a lipid, you know, a sweet liquid or something into his mouth. And he was smiling and laughing. And then they put the first vaccination in his leg and he honestly just looked like 
the whole world had betrayed him and why was this happening his face crumpled and he burst out crying he doesn't really cry so it's even more heartbreaking when you do hear him cry yeah and then it was the men B vaccination. So they say immediately to give him Calpol or, or paracetamol, infant paracetamol, and then he can have three doses, uh, four to six hourly, because they do get a temperature from that and feel groggy. And he just was so out of sorts all day. Mm-hmm. And then last night he just, he couldn't go down at all. I mean, mm-hmm. between my husband and I, I, don't, I, I couldn't tell you when he got up and went down because I think he was just permanently up. Yeah. <laughs> with the odd. He just didn't want to be, he, he obviously was just really uncomfortable. And you can only give at that age that says you can only give three doses of the infant paracetamol. So he'd had his three doses and I didn't really want to give him another one. So, but I don't think he was fully recovered. So it was just, it was just a heartbreaking, and he's still yeah. not a hundred percent today. And I think it can last up to sort of two days, they say. So it's just, it, I don't, for any mums, it is the most heartbreaking mm, day. Yeah. But then tough, because you're also then you're getting really tired and no you can't help them. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, yeah, it's been a really tough, <laughs> tough time. So vaccines are quite interesting. So first of all, um, mums who are listening in South Africa or in America will not be getting um, those vaccines at seven weeks. And that's because the vaccine protocols are different in every country. In fact, your first vaccine for a South African baby is on the day they're born. So you, they start really really early and then, um, you know, earlier than the, the British babies for sure. So vaccine schedules are all different. And the other thing that's really different is actually how little ones are going to react to vaccines because, and certainly with my three kids, I found that, you know, some of them just sailed through them. Some of them had reactions to certain vaccines, but, you know, every, everybody's journey is different. Um, and then, of course, there's also the, the controversies around vaccines. And one of the things actually that you highlighted was the giving of paracetamol or after vaccine. And that's even that's contested, you know, where people say, you know, should we be reducing temperatures because the body is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is building mm. immunity. But, yeah, I mean, by and large, I mean, two principles from my perspective. The one is vaccinations are and we know are the greatest um, development in modern medicine. There's no question. And, you know, I think. It's been quite interesting, the whole vaccine debate where, you know, there was a huge drop off. And I'm not talking about the COVID vaccine debate. That's a whole other story. But um, the, the little ones kind of normal childhood illness vaccine debate. Um, what was quite interesting was I heard an incredible podcast sometime last year talking about what was it? Why do mums sometimes think they shouldn't vaccinate? And one of the things that came up was that it's because we're too far away from the diseases because we've got so much herd immunity now, we actually haven't seen the effects of polio or smallpox. And if any of us in our lifetime had ever seen the effects of polio and smallpox, we just wouldn't question those vaccines at all because the the fallout is so terrible. But the further away we get from kind of epidemics, and of course we're now in the midst of one, but the further we get away from epidemics, the less worried we are about them. And then suddenly the side effects or the complications or whatever it is of the vaccine suddenly outweigh the benefits because we don't know what the benefits are. We don't know what what a world looked like without the vaccine. So, yeah, I mean, certainly from my perspective, being medical, I I am pro-vaccines and I think that it's it's important. And I know that the day day around the vaccine can be a bit of an upheaval. And I mean, in fact, just seeing that needle go into his leg and and that devastating, you know, kind of look on his face was probably as painful as a night's sleep. (laughs) It was, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. The nurse, as she was doing it, she actually, rather than saying sorry to him, she said, sorry, mum, this isn't very nice. And I thought, (laughs) 
thought, oh, okay. And it was me that, you know, and it is, it, it, we had, a, I was interested to see how he was going to cope with it anyway, because when he was born, obviously he had a lumbar puncture within mm. 24 hours. He's had heel pricks every day because they mm. had to take his blood. So I thought he might find this easy and he got over it very quickly. Mm. I did hear another baby coming out afterwards who was still crying as she was wheeled out of the, <laughs> the yeah. surgery. And I thought, oh no, and he was over it very yeah. quickly. But it was, you know, so if it had just been a case of having the vaccine, I wouldn't mm. have actually been too mm. traumatized, I don't think. It was just so tough because of the the day you know, that followed mm. and how upset he was. He was miserable. Yeah. yeah. And he's, because he is such a happy baby, you really notice the difference in that. Mm. And, mm. you know, and he just, and he's only just sort of got back to being 100%. His oral thrush is now gone and things like that. So you just sort of think, oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Here oh, we go again. <laughs> Shame. Really tough. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about his development. Um, are you managing to get in any tummy time and how are you finding that part of his life? Yeah. So we've, we've been, We've been doing um, tummy time every day, a couple of times a day. I've actually noticed that his tummy time on the floor, he doesn't seem to be lifting as much as he was. When we were first doing it, he was always really, I mean, really high up. I think you saw him in the early days where he was really lifting his neck and he does, he basically holds his head up now pretty mm. much by himself. But and he, when he's on your chest and things like that, he's very good at the tummy time, the head lifting. But now when he's on the floor, it's almost like he's just quite happy to chill on the floor and lie there. And he also is drooling a lot. And so he just ends up kind of lying in a pool of his own drool. And so I'm really having to encourage him to much more than I was. And I, I noticed that this morning and I wondered, is that a normal thing or is he just getting a bit lazy? <laughs> Yeah. So, um, look, I mean, the critical thing is that you keep keep going with the tummy time. It will it will get better over time. And as he gets a little heavier, his muscles need to work a little harder. And of course, he is doing that at the moment. But at least 10 minutes of tummy time a day should take care of that. Um, a couple of little tips. The one is to roll up a, a, an old tiling nappy or a muslin towel and put it kind of under his chest so that he's supported. And then also to actually bring his arms slightly forward. So his elbows are slightly forward of his um, shoulders and almost prop him up because that's where he's going next. That's what he'll be doing in the next couple of weeks is actually propping himself up. And then putting really interesting toys in front of him. So that, you know, like you can buy this little stand-up mirrors, look like a triangle and you kind of position that up in front of him or a mobile so lots of encouragement. And of course, the most fascinating thing for him is your face. So actually lying on your tummy facing him often works really, really well for babies as well. So you can try that side of kind of stimulating it. And then also another nice activity is to actually lie on your back on your bed. And you can start off quite propped up on pillows and eventually be totally horizontal and let him lie on your tummy looking at your face. And as you go backwards, deeper and deeper, he actually has to work harder and harder. So definitely, you know, working on those, on those back muscles and neck muscles is very important at this age. Yeah. And I have to say, when you do have him on your chest or tummy, he does really well on the tummy time. So I think he's, and I think, as you say, because he's wanting to look at our faces, he's Mm. lifting himself. So it's, I'm not too worried because I know I can tell that he can do it. Mm. It's just when he's lying on the floor, he seems to be a bit sort of, um, and they'll put him on his playmat and he has a piano in front of him that lights up and sings songs and things like that. And so, and we have the mirror. So 
we are sort of working hard on um, things. To, and this morning I did find myself on my tummy on the floor doing it myself, but lifting my head <laughs> saying, do this. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so important. And you know, it's so funny because, I mean, if you've been doing it from day one, which is why he tolerates it. But a lot of moms who are listening right now, their babies actually won't even tolerate tummy time. And that's why we always say get started right from the get-go from day one. But, um, you know, for anyone who's listening who's got a seven-week-old and you're wondering about, you know, how to get it going, you've just got to practice practice every single day. And the reason it's so critically important, Cass, I don't know if you know, but when babies are born, they're in what we call physiological flexion, which basically means that they're almost held in a position of curled up flexion and because of the shape in the tummy, you know, of how they are in utero. And then the very first task they have is actually to uncurl and extend themselves and particularly work their back and neck muscles. And so that's why tummy time is so important because when you put them down, they've got to work those back and neck muscles. And then what happens at the same time from about four weeks onwards, so we're now into that stage now, is that he's actually got to work his tummy muscles as well. So not just his back muscles, but now his tummy muscles. And he does that by being laying under a mobile and lifting his feet up to to bump the mobile or, you know, kind of rolling over to the side, um, you know, that, that, that sort of movement. And that really works his tummy muscles. And when we get that balance going between the back muscles and the tummy muscles, that's actually when we start to have babies being able to roll. And so the reason that tummy time is so important is not for the point of tummy time. It's because the next milestone, which is rolling, is critically important. And rolling is your precursor milestone to crawling. Mm -hmm. And so babies who don't roll often don't crawl. And so that's why, you know, it kind of has this whole lead on effect all the way through. And the reason that crawling is so important is because crawling develops spatial awareness and it uh, develops um, your shoulder girdle muscles and your hand muscles. And those are the foundations for fine motor control. And even if you can believe it, maths. So right now at seven weeks old, you're not thinking about uh, Max's mathematical abilities, but actually getting him into tummy time is a precursor for this whole chain of events that lead all the way through to eventual mathematical abilities. So there you go. That That's kind of the physiology in a nutshell. Wow. It's mad, isn't it? The things that are happening and making a difference. Yeah, exactly. And it really is. I mean, it is, it is a case of small little things that kind of have knock on effects as we go along. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you do, you do realize now how important, you know, last night, for example, when he was so distressed, I sort of thought, I just need to give him love. He just needs to mm. know now because he's distressed. This isn't him being naughty. It's not him mm. being, mm. and you know, I've, I've read in your books and on parent sense, you know, right now is the, it's so important. As you said, I think on this podcast, about shaping them for relationships far into the future mm. and just sort of, and that's why, even though I, so I would have loved to go and lie down and let him wriggle around a bit and make noises. I thought I just need mm. to hold you in my arms and let you know it's all it's all going to be okay to, yes. tonight. Um, and that's what, and so every every little thing that we're doing is having a, a far greater impact than we realise and in that moment. Exactly, <laughs> and actually. It's really um, good that you've touched on that whole thing of illness and and irritability, because I think sometimes when we're stuck in the moment of parenting, we think that everything we're doing today, we'll have to do for the next 15 years of our children's life. And actually, case in point, when you said how big he was at the beginning of the episode, I said, oh, we don't want to get interrupted to sleep and because he's going to be heavy. And, and there'll be lots of moms who have got like very sore backs from rocking to sleep. We know that. 
But in the moment when you've got a little one who's really niggly and really miserable and is just not falling asleep specifically because they're ill, then I always say all the rules go out the window because, you know, you you can deal with kind of breaking habits later on. But in the moment, if he's very uncomfortable, you do need to rock and calm him. And so, you know, I think particularly in the early days, under 14 weeks of age, babies don't have long-term memory. And so I always say to moms, you know, do what you have to do to cope, Mm. to get by and to calm them because, you know, I mean, I know Max isn't irritable, but you can get babies who are colicky who are crying three hours or more of a day. And then moms are thinking, well, you know, I need to be putting them down because I don't want to have rock to sleep. But actually, it's very early on and they're not going to develop habits um, at this age. So it is more important, like you say, to take care of their emotional and sensory needs because he also Mm -hmm. needs the sensory, just the contact with you. That was a sensory need in order to actually calm. It's interesting because this morning I actually, I, because what I have got into is a bit of a habit because I'm busy in the mornings and I have things I need to do. If I wear him and he falls asleep on me like that and he usually falls into quite a good sleep. But this morning I was tired. I had a lot to do and I thought I'm just going to put him with some really relaxing music in a room next door. So our sitting room is joined to our kitchen and I just put him in the sitting room um, in, with music going and I thought I'll just, he might fall asleep by himself, but if anything, so I got him a little bit drowsy and then I put him down with music going and he actually did fall asleep by himself in there, which he's never done just in the room, nothing, you know, to, I hadn't turned the lights down cause it was in the day he was downstairs with me and he fell asleep. He only did half an hour and then he woke up again, but it was the first time that happened. And again, I suppose with that sensory thing, that music had really calmed him down. It was very, I mean, it was, it was lovely. I was nearly, <laughs> yeah. So that was a, a new experiment that, that I tried this morning and it gave me a bit of hope because I thought when we do get to that stage where I can't rock you to sleep or I can't wear you and things like that, I know that you are capable of, of doing that. I'm saying this while I've just watched my father walk past the window <laughs> with him in the pram trying to get him to sleep because he's not going to sleep right now. But that did happen. And it was a really, it was a really exciting moment. And I yeah. felt very proud of him for doing that all by himself. So let's talk about how little ones actually develop habits and, and how we actually do get them to fall asleep independently. Because, I mean, right now he's seven weeks old, so it's not a priority. But certainly by the time he gets to about 14 to 17 weeks old, you mm-hmm. do want it to be a priority and you want him to be able to fall asleep independently. So, yeah, I mean, a couple of principles. And, you know, I always say to moms, this is the gold standard and it's always good to aim for the gold standard and then to back down, you know, to, to do what needs to be done. But to have the gold standard in your mind does help. So from about this age, from certainly from nine weeks, but, so, but from about seven weeks, you can actually start to put him down in his own bedroom in a darkened space. And, you know, one of the things that people often ask me is, shouldn't we only keep dark rooms for nighttime, mm. and light rooms and busyness for during the daytime? But actually, if you get them into a habit from very early on, the day sleeps happen in this dark space it actually works really, really well long-term because it means that they just go down in their own cot, you know, for every single sleep. Now, right now I know he's probably doing four, maybe some babies even five sleeps a day if they're doing very short sleeps. But by six months old, they drop down to three sleeps. By nine months old, they drop down to two sleeps. And by a year, they're down to one sleep. So you get this incremental dropping of sleeps. And so eventually it'll become... It'll make sense that, you know, like for instance, you want your two-year-old to go down in their bedroom, have a good two-hour sleep over midday, and then 
wake kind of rejuvenated. So you start the principles early on with going into the darkened room at the right time. So again, watching the awake times to make sure that they're not overstimulated or overtired, darkening the room, rocking to drowsy, um, which is kind of just, and you know, I always say to parents that don't fool yourself because rock to drowsy is not rock to sleep. It's just Mm. rocking to drowsy. It's making sure that their eyes are kind of heavy and they, I call it the thousand yard stare. They're kind of staring over your shoulder at nothing. And then putting them down. And at this age, for babies who like to be swaddled, which is most babies, having them swaddled. And then I like to actually turn them on their side and, you know, just kind of stay with them and pat them until such time as they fall asleep. And the principle there is that instead of doing it in your arms all the way to sleep, you're actually doing it lying down, you know, in in the cot on their own. And then you're patting them until they're asleep and then actually walking out of the room. And then they will usually sleep for 45 minutes at a stretch at this age. Um, Often babies at this age are not linking all their sleep cycles during the day and doing that for every single sleep. So that's kind of where I like parents to aim. If they're not getting it right, there are a couple of things that can help. One of them is swaddling. Another one is white noise in the room, or as you had, lullabies in the room. Another one is actually a cot vibrator, which is just a, a little device that you actually just connect onto the cot and it just kind of creates a little bit of vibration as they're falling asleep and it just helps them to go to sleep. It's almost like they're against your body that they're getting a little bit of vibration. So that really helps. And then I think I mentioned a few sessions ago, um, a zeki or a heavy weight that you can just place Mm. on them as if your hand is staying on them. And I find that those four things, along with the soothing beforehand and watching the awake times, are like a really awesome recipe to get little ones to start to fall asleep independently. And then after a couple of times of getting that one right, you can actually start to just put them down like you did with him and actually kind of leave the room and see what they do. And if at that time they start to, I call it if and but, like kind of that, eh, 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 is actually just to ignore and see what they do, because very often they will actually start to settle themselves to sleep. And so if they can, if you can start to put that in place now, it stands them in very good stead long term. Yeah, he's quite, I mean, at night, I have to say, if he does wake up soon after we've put him down, and I mean sort of, you know, 10 minutes after we've put him down, he does actually put himself back to sleep. We don't go up to him oh. anymore. And I've had a couple of occasions in the middle of the night where I've thought he was awaking and I get up and I put my dressing gown on and then it all goes quiet as I'm sort of ready to go into him. And then I look at the monitor and he's asleep again. And so I think, well, I'll just lie in the bed because then sure enough in 30 seconds, he'll wake up. And then suddenly I find myself waking up an hour later and he's actually done an extra hour. So I've really become more disciplined at not going in as soon as he starts to, as you say, if and but, because he is capable of self-settling but what's interesting is in the day anytime I have got him to self-settle he doesn't seem to sleep more than that one sleep cycle unless he is either in a he's been rocked to sleep in a car seat that tends to be when he'll do his longest session or if he's still in the baby wearer on me that's when he'll do a long session and that's absolutely typical. And it's probably one of the biggest questions that moms ask me at this age is why is my baby only doing 45 minutes, you know, 40 to 45 minutes. And the reason is that is one sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. And when they do start to link sleep cycles, I know this feels like a long way away is actually at six months. And that's because they'll be on solid lunch, having lots of yummy lunch, protein, some iron, and then a mm-hmm. lovely little milk feed after that, after that lunch. And then they actually do that two-hour stretch because they link the 45 minutes twice and maybe a bit more, so one and a half to two hours. But this is the age where it's that 45-minute sleep cycle, which can be quite frustrating because obviously if 
few weeks ago, he was probably doing much longer sleeps. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you feel like you're going backwards. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But he, really what he's doing, as long as you're watching the awake times, and that's, I think, where what's important is just watch the awake times, make sure you're getting him back to sleep. I mean, at this age, his awake time is probably an hour and a bit. Mm. And as long as you're watching those, you know, he, he won't become overtired. The fact that he's having a short sleep is not the crisis. Okay. Great. Excellent. Well, Cash, thank you so much for this week. So much lovely information around vaccines and and also about forming habits. So yeah, really, really super. Thank you so much for touching base. Well, thank you so much as always for the advice. Thank you. Pleasure, Cass. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.